Matthew chapter 19. Today we're talking about camels in our series, Animal Planet. So I invite you to find your way there. A number of years ago, Angel and I were standing on the Mount of Olives in the Holy Land. And as we were there, we had our group with us. And we had a gentleman by the name of Cloyd. Cloyd was a little bit older in life. Still very mobile, sharp on his feet. And um, quick on his feet, but sharp in his mind as well. So there was a camel up there on the Mount of Olives that day. And Cloyd got a little close to the camel and evidently scared the camel. And the camel, the camel lunged at Cloyd and knocked Cloyd to the ground. So Cloyd's on his back. Thankfully, Cloyd wasn't injured, just his pride was a little bit injured, I think. And so from there, once we realized Cloyd was okay, and we started saying, Grandma got run over by a reindeer, but Cloyd got run over by a camel. <laughs> camels are big, big animals. When you and I think about camels, we know that camels can live up to 50 years. When you think about the camels, they can run up to 40 miles per hour. Camels can consume lots of water, 30 to 40 gallons of water at a time. And if a camel feels threatened, the camel could just spit on you. And camels can swim. Camels were designed to live in intense heat because oftentimes in desert settings. Camels have very sensitive noses. They can even smell water. Camels have very sharp teeth because they choose some things that would be difficult for anything else to eat. But that's just the way the Lord created them. And then you think about camels, you think about their design was to carry burdens. So oftentimes in the Middle East and those places of the world, when you see a camel, they're oftentimes carrying people or goods in some way. The good news today is this, that we have someone who came to bear our burdens as well. Not a camel, but it's the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I encourage you today in the room and those who are watching, if you've got some burdens that need to be lifted, turn your eyes to the Lord Jesus Christ and allow him to bear your burdens and change your life. And then as you think about camels, we understand in God's word, 62 times in the King James Version, camels are mentioned. And then you look in God's word, you see the, the story of Job. Job chapter 1, he had 7,000 sheep and he had 3,000 camels. That's a lot of camels, by the way. And then we look in the, the Gospel of Mark and we see the story of John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here he is in the Judean desert preaching a message of repentance. And what is he wearing? He's wearing camel's hair. And, and I don't imagine you can go to Dillard's to pick that up either. That's probably hard to find. But he's out there eating locusts and wild honey and wearing camel's hair. Camels have a prominent place in the Word of God. Matthew chapter 19, I invite your attention there. And as we walk through this on your outline, I want to give some insights here to God's word today that will uh, be very effective for you and me. We pray under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Number one, maintain a teachable spirit. Now, let me say as well today, as we think about a teachable spirit, a number of weeks ago, I talked about chicken and many of you went to KFC and started eating chicken. Uh, a few weeks ago, I did a message on fish, and several of you found your way to Captain D's and enjoyed some fish. Well, as I'm talking about camels, please, please don't go to a store and buy cartons of camel cigarettes. That's not the goal here today at all. But the Lord has a word for us as we think about camels. Number one, maintain a teachable spirit. How teachable are you in life? But also let me ask you, how teachable are you in the Christian life? I pray you and I never lose a teachable spirit. Angel and I were at the National Zoo in Washington, D.C. Uh, one year. We saw the panda bears. 
And we were fascinated by them because they're beautiful and just very unique to watch. And so I met a lady after that who seemed to be an expert on panda bears. She gave me more information about panda bears than I ever dreamt of ever getting. And so she gave me details about the U.S., about China, how much they cost. It was incredible, but I was able to learn some things about panda bears. Again, I hope you and I never lose a teachable spirit in life, never lose a teachable spirit in the Christian life. Now, let me ask you this. What what do you need for God to teach you in the Christian life? As I think about my walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, I am grateful for all the things he's been able to teach me. And I never want to lose that teachable spirit. But here's my confession to you today. When it comes to the things of God and to the Word of God, I haven't even scratched the surface of all there is to know. Because it's so deep, it's so rich, so life-changing and transformational. But when you and I think about what Jesus is doing in Matthew chapter 19 with his disciples, he was teaching them and they had a teachable spirit. I just challenge you again, never lose a teachable spirit in the Christian life. Look at the blanks here. Number one, the Lord. We see in this passage, and Jesus said to his disciples, Jesus is the one who's doing the teaching. He's the expert. He's the master. He's the Savior of the world. He's the Son of God. He's teaching His disciples, who are His learners and His followers. He is teaching them. You say, well, what is He teaching them about? We see in Matthew chapter 19, He's been teaching them about divorce. He's been teaching them about kids who are coming to Him. And now He's teaching in this story of the rich young man, He's teaching them about salvation. And I would say this in life and even in ministry, you and I need more conversations about biblical salvation, not less. And so when you look at your Matthew chapter 19, let me just give you some insights. Look back in verse 16. There are different words that he's using here, talking about salvation, ultimately a personal relationship with him. He uses the words eternal life. Isn't it grateful we can know that we have eternal life? We'll never be separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. He's talking about eternal life. He goes on to talk about those, if you would enter life. Again, talking about salvation, life in Him. He continues on. He talks about those when the young man heard this. And then he goes on to say this about the kingdom of heaven. He talks about the kingdom of God. The disciples are going to ask him a question. Who then can be saved? We don't use that word much in our day. But I love to hear someone's testimony and they talk about Jesus Christ saved me and they gave this season of life. It's a great word. Still use the word saved. So the disciples said, who then can be saved? Jesus, even on down in this passage in verse 29, he talks again about eternal life. So Jesus is talking about salvation. How do you have a personal relationship with him? How do you pass from spiritual death to spiritual life? He is the Lord. He is the expert teacher. His disciples were teachable. And I just encourage you again, make sure you sit at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ with a teachable spirit and let him teach you in the Christian life. Second, the lesson. Again, he's teaching them what were the disciples learning, whether they're learning about salvation. Been teaching about divorce, been teaching about kids, those who would come to him, but also hear about salvation. What do you and I need to learn from Jesus ourselves? I would imagine in the room and those who are watching, there are many of us would say, we need to know something about God's will. How do we know the will of God? How do we know the direction from God? How do we know what God wants us to do? We're at a fork in the road. Do we go this way, that way? How do we know God's will? Put yourself in a position and let him teach you about his will. 
I would imagine there are those of us here thinking about marriage or parenting. We come before him and say, Almighty God, I need you to teach me today about how to have a marriage that is faithful to your word and to one another. We need to know how to be the parents that you've called us to be. God, parenting in this day is very difficult. How do we have the marriage, but how do we function as parents the way, God, you want us to be? We are teachable in those areas of life. How many of us need to come before him and say, Lord, you called us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 to be witnesses, but I just don't know how to share the gospel, how to have a gospel conversation with someone. So, Lord, I am teachable. Will you teach me how to share the gospel with somebody else? So I can be clear, I can be courageous, I can be convictional, but I can also be clear in the sense to say, and bold, here's how to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. How many of us need to come before him like the disciples did in Luke chapter 11, say, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? How many of us need to come before him as our Heavenly Father and just say, Lord, teach us how to pray your way, not the world's way? And then how many of us need to come before him, even as leaders, and say, God, I want to be a leader in your kingdom. Will you teach me how to be a leader like Jesus, meaning to be a servant? I'm teachable. Will you teach me how to lead? And as I think about that in my own life, I want to make sure I sit at the feet of Christ and listen to him because I want to be the leader he wants me to be. And here's what I mean. I don't want to wear a robe in life. I want to carry a towel in life. I want to embrace the title of being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to make sure that John chapter 3 verse 30 is evident in my life. Jesus, everything about my life, we want you to increase and for me to decrease. So as you and I think about things in life, what do you need the Lord Jesus Christ to teach you? Jesus was pouring his life into his disciples, teaching them about salvation. What do you need him to teach you? I just encourage you from Matthew chapter 19, maintain a teachable spirit. Number two, consider a human impossibility. Uh, uh, often days I'll walk around the concourse here in the, in the sanctuary. And as I walk around the concourse, I get over to the side over here. And I'll look out the window and I'll see the downtown area of our city. A beautiful, beautiful view. And sometimes I'll stand there and think, I remember what many people talk about, some pictures I've been able to see. 1999, I believe it is, when a tornado came through and destroyed a lot of buildings in the downtown area. And there's something again that was impossible. Humanly, that tornado could not be averted from this area. It just came right through. We couldn't stop it in that sense. There are many things to you and me that are impossible. But here's what I know. When I think about last Sunday... When we came together as a church over in the faith sanctuary, wasn't that a glorious Sunday? That we lifted up the name of Christ and we exalted him in music and message and fellowship. What a joy again to share the pulpit with Dr. Roger Freeman. What a joy that was to see people baptized, decisions being made. It was a joyous day to see the sanctuary filled. And again, we were worshiping and adoring the true and living God together. Now, as we think about that, that should be the heart of all of us because he's called us to worship him. And even though some things in life are impossible for you and me, understand this next statement. Nothing is impossible with him. Look at your outline. Look at these words here. Number one, get honest. As you and I think about this phrase, get honest, as we continue the conversation, Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. 
And I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, when you're in the Holy Land, you're going to hear some talk about how the camel goes through the eye of a needle. You're going to be at a gate, the Jaffa gate, and you're going to see this little small gate, and many people are going to say, Jesus was referencing that gate. How could a camel go through that little gate right there? There's no debate about that. But as we look at this text again, he's talking about humanly something is impossible. It is impossible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And so he's just asking his disciples to get honest because he is going to share with them an amazing truth here in just a moment that we're going to see. But he wants them to be honest. You and I need to be honest as well. There are some things on our own which are impossible for you and me to do. He said, what are those things? Well, I'm glad you asked. Here's what I will say to you and me. You and I can never save ourselves. Only Jesus Christ can do that. And to free many of us up, you and I can never live the Christian life on our own strength. God never designed it that that way. That's why the Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of you and me. We can't live the Christian life on our own. We live the Christian life by the power of God through His Holy Spirit. You and I can't handle temptation on our own. That's why Jesus in Matthew 4 gave us his great example. Don't ever try to handle temptation on your own. Handle temptation with the word of God. Jesus modeled that for you and me. And then as those in ministry and those who are pastors, those who are Christian leaders, here's another thing we can't do. We can't change the hearts of people. We give an invitation, we share the gospel in music and message, we do all those things, but somewhere we have to leave the results to God because we can't change a single life or a single heart. Only God can do that. It's impossible for you and me. And so we just need to get honest about those things. Just as he's talking about this camel and the eye of a needle, there are some things we'll never be able to do. We'll leave those results to Almighty God. Second thing I would say here is to seek help. That's a big word in our day. When we find ourselves in a tough place, how many of us are willing to seek help? But when you look at the Bible and you see all these stories in the Word of God, and you understand what the disciples are going through here, and they're thinking about what does he mean with a camel, the eye of a needle, and how does this rich person enter the kingdom of God? How does all that happen? And so when you look at it, seeking help, you and I need to seek help in life and say, God, there are times it's impossible for us, but possible with you. We need help. When you and I look at the Bible, we see all of these stories of where humanly it was impossible, but with God it was possible. Think about this. Moses standing at the Red Sea. Could Moses part the Red Sea? Absolutely not. Only God could do that. And because Moses obeyed, that sea parted. They passed through on dry ground. Could David handle his own sin in life? A man after God's own heart, one step away from stupid, like we talked about last week. David could not handle sin on his own. That's why we find him in Psalm 51, confessing, pouring out his heart, asking God to restore the joy of his salvation to him. David couldn't do it. You think about Daniel in that lion's den. Hungry lions, they could have devoured him. Daniel could have never overcome those lines on his own. But again, he saw the power of God on display. You and I think about the disciples. Here they are on the Sea of Galilee. There's this violent storm that just came without warning. And they thought they were going to die. They were going to drown. It was impossible for those disciples to save themselves. Only Jesus could speak to that storm and it was still again. 
You look at the life of the Apostle Paul, chief of sinners, did everything he could to persecute and hinder the church and the spread of the gospel. And all of a sudden, one day on the road to Damascus, he gets saved, transformed, changed. God calls him into ministry. The Apostle Paul could never save himself. He needed the help of God to do that. So you and I today, we need to get honest. We need to be willing to seek help. And there's got to be a time in life where we just find ourselves saying, God, on my own, this is impossible. With you, all things are possible. I seek your name. I seek your help. I share with you, I had a meeting one time in Washington, D.C. at the White House. I get into Washington, D.C., have dinner with some other pastors. I get up the next morning. I was supposed to be at a certain checkpoint at the White House at 10 a.m. the next day. I get there early. So the Uber driver takes me there. I get out. I walk up to the gate where I'm supposed to be. I see a secret service guy who is there. And I walk up to him and said, hey, good morning. I have a meeting here at the White House. And here's what he said. He said, I need to see your invitation. Well, I started sweating bullets because I didn't have an invitation. I said, well, I don't have an invitation. I've got an email. He said, you need more than an email. I said, well, I've got an email. I don't have an invitation. He said, you should have received an invitation. So I'm going back and saying, but here's the lady that coordinated with me to be here at this gate at this time. I can give you her name. I can give you her email address. I can even show you the emails that she sent me. He said, you need an invitation. And I thought, what in the world am I going to do now? So, Lord, I've got to have help here. And so he said, what are you doing here? What's the meeting about? So I said, I'm a pastor from Florida, been invited to come to the White House, supposed to be here at 10 a.m. this morning, and we're having a meeting about faith issues. He said, okay, so, so who are you meeting with? And I said, well, this is going to sound kind of strange. I'm a pastor in Florida. I don't have an invitation. I'm supposed to be here at a meeting about faith issues. And then I gave him the name of the person I was supposed to be meeting with. And he said, that's the name I needed to hear. Welcome to the White House. Well, I could breathe. <laughs> Hallelujah. That guy. But it was a name that needed to be shared. I want to encourage you and me in life. Folks, there is a name that will give you calmness. There is a name that will set you free. There is a name that will change everything about your life. And his name is what? His name is Jesus. Call on his name. It's impossible for you and me, but it's possible with him because all things are possible with him. There's something about his name. Get honest and seek his help. Number three. Ask a relevant question. Uh, many of us in this room, those who are watching, we think about sports oftentimes. And as we think about sports, we understand the draft process in baseball, football, basketball. How does that draft process work? Here's how it works. If you're the best player, guess what happens? Do you get drafted last or first? If you're the best player, you're going to get drafted first. Because teams are looking for the best players out there. So if you're the best, you're going to get drafted early. Well, as you and I think about this process, Jesus here teaching his disciples, teaching them about divorce and little kids and about salvation, as he's teaching them, think about the draft process. Who would have drafted these disciples the way they are? Would they have been first or last? And no one would have picked these guys. These guys were fishermen and tax collectors. No one would have picked them first. But Jesus has invited this group of men around him, and he's teaching them. He's pouring his life into them. He's training them how to do ministry and experience life. He's, he's investing in them. 
And then here these guys are around him, hearing these things about a camel in the eye of a needle. It's impossible to be able to do that from a human's perspective. And then they ask this amazing, life-changing question. And here was their question. It says, the disciples heard them. They were greatly astonished. And they said to him, and here's the question, who then can be saved? That's a great question. Please understand, they're not talking about being saved from a camel accident. They're not talking about being saved from a tree falling on you. They're talking about experiencing eternal life, passing from death to life, experiencing the assurance and the reality of heaven. They're talking about who can be saved, who can be in a relationship with God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Great question. Look at these statements. Number one, ask questions. I just encourage you in life, you need to be like the disciples, be willing to ask questions. I would imagine some questions we might ask, there may be some in the room or watching, you may say even today, can a wayward son or daughter come home to the Lord? Relevant question. You may look at your family and you may be able to see around a Thanksgiving table or a Christmas living room scene or something, but you may be able to say, can a self-centered family member experience the grace of God? Relevant question. You may look at your workplace and you may say, can an alcoholic co-worker be set free? Great questions. And here's what we know. Because of his name, because of Jesus, a wayward son or daughter can come home and find joy in the Lord again. A self-centered family member can experience the grace of God and it will change his or her life. An alcoholic co-worker can be set free when they experience a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. He takes that desire completely away from him or her and changes his or her life for all eternity. Ask questions. Look at the second statement. Believe God. In this text, the conversation continues. Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked and he said he looked at them. Can you imagine having the very eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ? We think about heaven one day. We're going to see him face to face. But can you imagine Jesus looking at you? You're seeing his eyes. His face is turned toward you. He looks at them and he says this. Who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Is it possible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven? From the eyes of man, it looks impossible. Can a camel go through the eye of a needle? From man, it looks impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Warren Buffett, one time, one of the richest men in the world, said in 2006 that he made a commitment. He had a fortune of $44 billion. Folks, I don't even understand how much that is. I mean, you could spend thousands upon thousands of dollars every minute and never run out of money, I believe. But he had $44 billion, and Warren Buffett said he'd made a commitment that he was going to give 85% of his fortune away to five charities in life. And then Warren Buffett, on an interview with CBS News, made this statement, aren't you glad that there's more ways to heaven than just one? And then Warren Buffett said this, and giving that kind of money away is one good way to go to heaven. Folks in the room are watching. Let me just be clear. You're not going to go to heaven because you give money away. You're not going to go to heaven because you've lived a good life. 
You're not going to go to heaven because you've been religious. You're not going to go to heaven just because your name is on a church roll. You're going to go to heaven because you've turned from your sin and you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, the only name by which to be saved, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. You'll go to heaven because you surrender your life and Jesus Christ wonderfully saves you. You'll go to heaven that way. He is the only way to go to heaven. And so we need to believe again what is impossible with man is possible with God. Now, put down these five challenges from today's biblical story. I want to give you these challenges. I want you to think through these. And I was watching one morning, and here's something that just uh, confuses me at times, even burdens me at times. I was watching one day the Weather Channel. We were living in Florida. Hurricane was approaching uh, Florida again. And Senator Marco Rubio was on a conversation with Jim Cantore. And they were talking about why do people hear hurricane warnings but refuse to do anything about them? Major hurricanes coming through, and we're just going to ride it out. We're not going to plan. We're not going to prepare. We're just going to, we're going to ride it out and see what happens. And as I watched that interview on the Weather Channel, the Holy Spirit convicted me, even as a pastor, as a preacher, but just in life. Why do so many people hear the good news of the gospel week in and week out, day after day, but still refuse to surrender their lives and give their lives to Christ? Why? They hear the warning, but they don't do anything about it in surrendering to the Lord. Let me give you these challenges. Number one, allow God. You want Him to break you. You want Him to break you. What breaks you and me in life? Here's what I know, and I've been around people this way, probably been this way myself. We're very emotional beings, and we get emotional over sports. If our team wins, well, life couldn't be better. But if our team loses, it's a major crash in life. We get so emotional over sports. But here's what I see in Matthew chapter 19. There's one of the saddest verses in the Bible, and it's at verse 22. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He could not surrender what he had to Jesus to experience eternal life. How many of us today need God to break us? And you start putting a name and a face together and say, God, will you break me? For a family member, for a friend, for a co-worker, classmate, neighbor, someone I met in life who does not know Jesus as his or her Savior. Beyond being broken over sports, how many of us are broken over people who need Jesus? This young man heard the story. He walked away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He could not give up what he had to follow the one who could give him everything, Jesus. Will you ask him to break you? Look at number two. Ask God. You want him to use you. You want him to use you. And we ask the Lord for many things. God, will you give me a spouse? God, will you give me a car? Will you give me a house? Will you give me a job? We ask for all these things in life, but how many of us are asking God to use us in ministry? Will you ask him today, Lord, I want to be broken for people who need a relationship with you, but God, will you use me in life? How many of us got up this morning? Here it is on Sunday. 
How many of us got up this morning and the prayer of our heart was, God, will you use me today? Because I want to make a difference for you. And he's at a restaurant one morning and the lady, the hostess, took her to her table. Happens oftentimes. We're sitting at the table. The server comes to the table. A pleasant, pleasant young lady. And I asked her this question. It was early morning. I said, how's your morning going? And she gave me a one-word answer. And so here again, I said, how's your morning going? Here's what she said, painful. Now, folks, the Lord teed that one up for us right there. If you can't get that one from there. And so we just said, why did you say painful? What's going on in your life that makes it so painful? And then she felt free with us, and she shared her story in her life. And the good news in that restaurant that day, we were able to share the good news of Christ and pray with her and see the Lord work in her life that day. But we ask the Lord to use you in your life. Number three, approach God. You want him to stretch you. Folks, there are times we need to be stretched in the Christian life. And sometimes he'll do that through a storm. Sometimes he'll do that through an open door or a closed door. Sometimes he'll do that through a conversation. But somewhere you want to be stretched so that you get to a place in life, the only person you depend on is him. Will you ask the Lord today to stretch you in the Christian life? He's stretching his disciples. He's maturing them. He's teaching them. Number four, adore God. You want him to to, to grow you. You want him to grow you to the point that you look at life from his perspective and you're able to say, yes, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And so you just grow with an understanding. You see life through his eyes. As I've shared with you, you're more welcome to go in my study. You can pull off the dictionary. You'll be able to see that because I want to make sure I see life from his perspective. I've went to the eyes. I found the word impossible, and I've literally marked it out of my dictionary. Why? Humanly, it may be impossible, but with him, nothing is impossible. And so I just want to make sure I live life through his eyes. God, nothing is impossible with you. With you. You allow him to grow you, then number five, Except God, you want him to save you. You want him to save you. Matthew 19, the conversation here is about salvation. There are many people who want to talk about religion in life, but I promise you this, religion will never save you. Only a relationship with Christ will save you. And then I think about when you know Christ and you look at your life, are you laying up treasures in heaven because you're living faithful to him? Pastor George Truett one time was having dinner with a very wealthy man in Texas. And the weather man after dinner said, I want to take you out to an overlook and I want to show you something. And so they go out to the overlook. They're standing there overlooking a vast amount of land. And this wealthy man said to Pastor George Truett, said, I want you to know, when you look that way to the north, I own everything that you see. When you look to the east, everything you see, I own that as well. When you look to the south, everything you see, I own that also. When you look to the west, everything you see, I own that also. I own everything that you see. And Pastor Truett said, that's very impressive. And then Pastor George Truett walked up and put his hand on the man, this wealthy man's shoulders and said, but I'm going to ask you this question. I want you to look up. How many treasures are you laying up up there? Not just down here. Great question. Ask him to save you. Humanly, it's impossible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, but not with him. Can someone who has nothing the world has to offer go to heaven? Absolutely. 
Can someone who is rich and has everything this world has to offer go to heaven? Absolutely. You know why? Because they surrender everything to Jesus Christ. He's the Savior of the world. I want us to bow our heads together as we pray. And with heads bowed this morning, those in the room and those who are watching, I just ask you and appeal to you several things here. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, I pray you will experience His amazing grace today. Step out from where you're seated, where you're going to stand. Walk down one of these aisles. Let us have a conversation with you. Our pastoral team is going to be here. Prayer warriors are going to be here. We want to help you. Don't ignore the warning, the spiritual message this morning. Give your life to Christ because life is uncertain. Say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Experience eternal life and salvation today in Him. You've witnessed biblical baptism this morning. If you need to be baptized next week or a Sunday coming up somewhere down the road, come forward this morning. Let us know that. We want to celebrate with you, but we want to be able to have a conversation helping you be obedient to the Lord Jesus in your life. We want to encourage you to be a part of this church family. And to be a part of what God's doing in this church at First Baptist Church. And so when we stand here in a moment, experience His grace giving you the courage to obey. Step out, walk down one of the aisles, come forward today. We'd love to welcome you to be a part of this church. If you know Christ, been biblically baptized, we'd love to celebrate with you. But then I ask you this morning as well, how many of you are willing to ask the Lord to break you? How many of you are willing to ask Him to use you? How many of you are willing to ask Him to stretch you? How many of you are willing to ask Him to grow you? How many of you are willing to ask Him to save you? Nothing's impossible with Him. And those who are watching online, you may have a spiritual question. You may have a prayer request. You may need to make a spiritual decision. You'll comment to us or you can send us an email as you see there. You can even call us. You'll find us online as you do. And we would love to have that conversation with you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to try to answer your question. Or we'd love to help you in that spiritual decision that the Lord has impressed on your life. We would love to help you find peace and grace and significance in your life as well. You respond to us. And folks, we give an invitation and we see our lives changed because of His amazing grace. So Father, today we thank you for the story about a camel in the eye of a needle. We thank you that Jesus talked about salvation. And so, Father, today what's impossible with us is not impossible with you. And so we pray today that we will say yes to you. We'll come to Jesus today and experience amazing grace. Our change can be gone because of the freedom we have in you. And so, Lord Jesus, I appeal either in the room or online that decisions will be made as we come to Jesus right now. And I pray this in Jesus' name.